On the evening of Monday, May 14, 2007, at about 8 p.m., first responders arrived to the scene of a house fire on Franklin Street in Fredericksburg, Texas, and discovered the body of 55-year-old Linda Mugi. Linda was severely burned and found laying face down under debris which had fallen from the ceiling. She had stab wounds and blunt force injuries on her head and neck. A knife was found in the living room where the fire is believed to have been ignited by an accelerant. Her underwear was down around her knees, yet there were no signs of a sexual assault. In addition, a large sum of money was left in the house. However, her cell phone, wallet, and car keys were never located. It's been 14 years since her brutal murder. Is her killer still out there? Let's break down the details. Secrets of the Trees presents The Unsolved Murder of Linda Mugi. Linda Mugi lived in Fredericksburg, a city in central Texas, with a population on the smaller side, about 11,245. She was the owner of the Peasant Kitchen, a catering business which she ran out of her home in Fredericksburg. She also appeared to enjoy gardening and raising animals such as horses, goats, and sheep. According to an older newspaper article I found, Mondays were cooking days for Linda. She would apparently be alone all day on Monday while she prepared the meals for that week. Come Tuesday, her yard would be filled with the cars of customers ready to pick up their orders. A longtime friend of Linda, Sterling Greenlee, said that Linda had habits you could set your clock by. Apparently, it was common knowledge that Linda would be home alone all day cooking on Monday, working to fulfill orders. On that Monday evening of May 14, 2007, Linda returned home from a local yoga class at about 5.30 p.m. Almost two hours and some change later, her home was reported to be on fire. Due to her catering business, neighbors believed her home caught fire because of her gas stove. This autopsy revealed she had actually been stabbed in the head and neck and had blunt force injuries on her neck and head as well. Investigators also learned that the fire at her residence had been deliberately set and ruled as arson. So, I think that house fire was meant to destroy evidence. Investigators, friends, and family couldn't wrap their heads as to who would want to do this to Linda, who appeared to be well-liked by her community. Yet, Two incidents in the years preceding her death stood out to investigators. The first was in 2003, when she told police a suspicious white male in his 50s named Frank followed her home. Linda never filed a second complaint about this Frank individual, and police were unable to identify him. Then, in 2006, someone shot two of Linda's sheep with a 22 caliber rifle. These were bottled-fed sheep Linda had raised, and they were shot in the pen, which was not that far from the back of her house. Police were never able to figure out who killed her sheep. After talking with family members, though it wasn't made clear who, and consulting with other law enforcement agencies, the evidence seemed to point to Fred Mugi, Linda's former husband. After graduating high school, Fred joined the Navy to serve during the Vietnam War. After the service, he moved to New Mexico where he met Linda and they were married. They had apparently been married for 30 years. Then in 1991, it is written he returned to Texas to be closer to family and settled in Fredericksburg. These details were on his obituary, and while Linda was no longer mentioned after the married for 30 years part, it is clear that she joined him as she had been established in, and was killed, in Fredericksburg. According to Fred, he was taking a yoga class 80 miles away in Austin the night of the fire, and credit card receipts confirmed someone used his card at the location, but no one was able to confirm Fred was the one who swiped the card. He was not 100% cleared, said Terry Weed with the Fredericksburg Police. Additionally, according to investigators, Fred Mugi 
failed two polygraphs and his DNA was discovered at the scene. It's common knowledge that polygraphs are considered unreliable and generally not admissible in court, with a few exceptions. So him failing a polygraph personally doesn't raise any red flags. His DNA being discovered at the scene, however, raises a couple of questions. Why was it there? They were divorced, but they were still friends? Where was the DNA located specifically? That same newspaper clipping from earlier stated that Linda and Fred remained on very good terms since their divorce several years ago. They had no kids together and Linda was quite happy with a new boyfriend. The website where I pulled this newspaper from stated that Linda's boyfriend died shortly after she did. Cause of death was not explained. So if Fred and Linda were on very good terms, maybe good enough to have remained friends that visited each other, could that be why his DNA was there or could it be as investigators posited that the evidence pointed to Fred. Unfortunately, Fred died in December 2013 and took his secrets, if any, with him, though many who knew him insisted he was incapable of killing his former wife or anyone else. However, recall that Fred did join the Navy and served during the Vietnam War. More than 3 million people, including over 58,000 Americans, were killed in this war, and more than half of the dead were Vietnamese civilians. We don't know in what capacity Fred served in the Navy, nor do I believe that he would be shouting from the rooftops to what extent his participation was, especially since Vietnam vets were treated quite poorly upon their return. As I stated, his secrets, if any, more than likely followed him to his grave. In an interesting twist, I came across a web sleuth post of someone claiming to have known Linda and Fred. This person wrote, I can say that Linda wasn't an easy person to know. She was abrasive and difficult at times. I was surprised to read about her heart of gold. I'm sure she had one, but she could also be really unpleasant, even just socially. For what it's worth, I also knew her ex-husband, Fred. I can't imagine Fred doing that, and yet, Linda could be infuriating, and Fred was his own kind of different. There was also some newspaper info early on investigation that Linda led a double life, frequenting bars and having a whole nother set of friends unconnected to her catering and church work. So clearly, there are some stones left unturned. This person wanted to say that they weren't victim shaming, but instead loved Fred dearly, despite him being an odd man. This person also stated, I was happy when they divorced because she was so cruel to him in front of others. He let her have the house that burned and all the handcrafted furniture he had made. This was the first mention I read stating the complete opposite of what was being published of Linda. I mean, there was an entire newspaper article describing how she'd make extra food for the elderly, the sick, widows, how she was involved in her community to the point where she did some deeds anonymously. Her being abrasive is a possibility, though, despite having done good deeds. Mother Teresa is frequently described as a pious woman, but there are some seriously dark details about her work I encourage you to read. So a portion of this comment really isn't far-fetched. I'm not sure what's being insinuated by double life and frequenting bars, though. The way this was written sounds like Linda was out doing taboo things, when in fact people should have just been minding their own business. If Linda wanted to go out to bars and have a whole nother set of friends, so what? As long as no one is being harmed, what is with this kind of judgment? Also, let her have the house and handcrafted furniture? They were allegedly married for 30 years. It's not like she was married to him for a month and then tried to empty out his bank accounts. Maybe Linda was abrasive. Was it because she was just cruel? Or was it because of something that happened between them? Maybe she deserved to keep the house and the furniture. We don't know what goes on in people's relationships. Linda's sister, Shannon Ramsey, spoke fondly of Linda in an interview back in 2015. She was just a unique individual with a finely tuned sense of right and wrong, Ramsey recalled. 
She was a photographer. She was a dancer. She had a spot secured in the Houston City Ballet when she was 19. The two were so close that Ramsey and her husband built a house on the lot where Linda's house once stood. In Shannon's kitchen, Linda's last menu hangs on the wall. Coffee-crusted brisket with horseradish mashed potatoes and southern-style green beans, it read. Some of Linda's jewelry was also recovered from the fire, and Shannon stated that she often wears her sister's earrings. I tried to do a search on Linda's catering business in the years preceding her death, but I didn't find any past mentions or reviews on any website. The business is referred to as a catering business. However, it reads like some kind of meal prepping business, especially Linda was cooking for one day for the rest of the week. If we are to take what Sterling said to heart, and Linda was a person of routine to the point where you could set your clock by, then it wouldn't appear to be a random killing, though that is always a possibility. At the crime scene, police found a knife in the living room. It would be interesting to know what kind of knife, and if it belonged to Linda. Surely the motive wasn't robbery, as a large sum of money was left behind. Linda's cell phone, wallet, and keys were missing, though. Why? Maybe DNA? Maybe a customer gave her cash, placing their DNA on the money. She turned around and grabbed her wallet to grab change. A scuffle happened. Linda reached for her phone to call for help or use her keys in self-defense. I'm not entirely sure why those items were taken, and then again, we may never know why. It would also be interesting to know how much of the home had been destroyed. Did she have a computer to track her orders or some kind of logbook? Maybe a record of who her regulars were or if there were any new customers? How did she keep track of her orders? Did they pay cash or card? Did any of this, if she had it, survive the fire? We don't know. Also, in regards to her sheep being killed, I wonder what was the point of this. Was it just a sadist? Was it a message? Were these two particular sheep significant to Linda? Were there other animals on the property at the time? In regards to Fred being a suspect, Shannon said, Some days I think he might have, and other days I know in my heart he didn't. But how well do you really think you know someone? There have been serial killers with entire families who didn't know what they were up to. Dennis Rader was a leader in his church, once volunteered with the Boy Scouts along with his son, and would call his daughter to ask if she had checked the oil in her car. Dennis Rader was also referred to as the BTK Killer, an acronym referencing his method of binding, torturing, and killing his victims, whose ages ranged from 9. 9! To 62 years old. But sure, we don't have to immediately jump to the conclusion that someone you know might secretly be a murderer. It can be a much more common habit, like being unfaithful in a closed relationship, or being up to their eyeballs in debt because of an addiction or a string of bad luck. Maybe someone you know dropped out of college, but couldn't face their parents. Maybe someone you know lost their job and couldn't face their spouse, so they didn't say anything, kept going about their day, pretending, until the truth came to light. How many times have you spoken to someone who confided in you something that you had no idea was happening and said that very phrase? I had no idea you were going through something like this. So who really knows if Fred was involved? What we do know affirmatively, however, is that since Fred passed away in 2013, the case has slowed down. During my research of this case, I found that the new property that had been built over Linda's home was recently sold, and for quite an amount. This is all public. You can look up the details of this case and find Linda's former address yourself. There is a video walkthrough of a realtor showing each room, the kitchen, the rest of the interior, the outside of the home. I didn't really watch the whole video. I just kept imagining things I shouldn't have, even though it's not the original home. And the background music, I I just, I couldn't get through it. In the sale description of the home, the realtor stated that along with all the other attractive property features, the outbuilding could even be turned into an excellent investment opportunity, such as a bed and breakfast. I'm sorry. That, that's too much for me personally. 
I've clearly never been in a situation such as this. I don't think I could have moved into the lot like Shannon did and wear my sister's things. Everyone mourns differently and I'm not sure how I would handle that kind of loss, especially one without closure. If Shannon found strength building on that lot and moving into that lot and then later sold it and moved on to better her life, then good for her. Good for her. And I'm also aware that just because an address doesn't have a Google article attached to it detailing a murder doesn't mean that the land isn't soaked with blood. I understand that. We, as a collective, have been around a long time. I doubt there's an area that is free from someone or several someone's passings. The Texas Department of Public Safety has had few leads and made several appeals to the public for information, even offering thousands of dollars as a reward. If you or someone you know has any information, you can contact the Fredericksburg Police Department at 830-997-7585.